0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: The United States must be manufacturers and sellers of renewable energy. I've been listening to your show, and everybody is needing this electric and power and everything for their businesses and whatnot. Our horses are still our most powerful allies in America. And also for foreign countries. And when I say that we can do that through horse manure and wood chip bedding through term horse horsepower as developed already by Cinnamon, that is our answer. And this is a very serious thing to help our nation and other nations.
2: All right, let me see if I can recap, because you called earlier this week for the first time, and and you correct me if I've gotten anything wrong here, my understanding from what you told us a few nights ago. I'm just going to try to bring our audience up to speed. We always have new people tuning in. Reed, you weren't here when she called the first time. Uh, So essentially, you want to create horse farms staffed by homeless people that generate well, manure that can then be converted into energy. Is
1: that my not understanding correct by homeless people, but homeless people can play a big part. Not only homeless people, but very, but Americans can play a big part in these horse ranches, beautiful places of communities and businesses run on on uh, points of horsepower. power which is biomass production, of course manure, and the woodchip bedding. And Finland has already done this. I've been researching this for the last year. And Finland, you know, Bloomberg, all the U.S. Uh, uh, manufacturers and things like, have been talking about this, you know? And, and like Bloomberg said, uh, this means that like a country like ours is, is sitting on a big stinking pile of untapped green energy just waiting to be exploited. I and think this is the way that...
3: Well, I think what? Vermin Supreme really missed, you know, he he was on to something with the ponies, but Free then ponies he had everyone. this whole, like, zombie wheel idea that just was kind of hard to imagine. <laughs> he could have just used the oh, no. pony poop instead, right? And then we could have, you know... Is
1: the way new expenses are hard to imagine. Someone has to bring them to the forefront. Oh,
3: didn't I'm he have to- that part of his plan, the... Pony poop to methane gas. Wasn't that vermin scream? I do
2: I've, I've got his book, thing. but I haven't read it, honestly.
1: <laughs> you have horses on a ranch um, and a biomass production where their manure and wood chip bedding are processed for renewable energy that we can sell. We can manufacture and sell. And that's a big thing because we don't manufacture like anything of this kind of magnitude anywhere. In the United States. Okay, but you didn't I mean, answer my question,
2: Vondra. Why is it so important that it be horse manure? I mean, aren't we just talking about setting something on fire here? Is it is manure supposedly more uh, energy producing than, say, just setting raw feed on fire? Like, what's the what's the benefit you to know, this? You
1: know, Horsepower has developed this high technology of our time this is our time for this kind of technology so you're talking about biomass production of the wood chip bedding and horse manure okay what's the wood
2: chip bedding aspect of this i don't know what that part is
1: well it combines for biomass production with the manure or horsepower has developed it and this was i i researched this even before uh finland was even thinking about nato we need to we need to partner with them. Are you as
2: lost as I am here, Reed? Yeah, ok. cause <laughs> I' I'm, just completely lost. I'm it there. pretty lost here. you You keep <laughs> okay, throwing it. Okay. So what it sounds to me like is Vondra that you just keep throwing out. Uh, these sort of buzzwords, this almost kind of market speak. Oh well, you know biomass and horse manure and wood chip bedding and green energy, horsepower, Horsepower. and, horse NATO, power, and yeah. it's all gonna get it's all gonna come together on a big farm with millions of dollars. And I know that you had said on the last call that you were uh, hoping to pitch this idea to get some investors on board with it. Um, have you been reaching out to venture capitalist firms, or what is your plan there?
1: Well, my plan is to kind of get the word out first, and then go mm-hmm. from there. But this is amazing, is that Finland, this is a new technology. Finland, Horse manure. Finland, yep. <laughs> new technology. New <laughs> tech. Well, look, have Vondra, just
2: because somebody <clears throat> can prove that a thing works... And it's a new idea or whatever. We'll just go ahead and give that to you. Although I'm pretty sure people have been experimenting with uh, poop as a uh, energy source for a long time. But let's just say this there's a new way of extracting some sort of energy from it. Uh, so this company in Finland, and we did look up the story. There is a story about a, a company in Finland that uh, provided power to a couple dozen households, and they uh, there was like a horse show or something that that was powered by them, p- powered by horse dung, and uh, and so it's like. Okay, so there's there's something there, but is it more efficient than, say, solar power or nuclear power, for instance? Jeremy Kaufman, uh, he is a candidate for U.S. Senate. He's a libertarian candidate. Normally, we don't have political guests on this program. If you were to go and look at the, the list of guests we've had over the years, you can count the politicians on, like, two fingers, I think, <laughs> basically. It's Ron Paul, and there was one other guy I think we had. Uh so I don't get turned on by politicians at all. I find them to be pretty distasteful and despicable,
3: irrational and repugnant.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but I and you know, I like the libertarians. I've been a libertarian for a very very long time, you know, basically my whole adult life. But it doesn't really I don't really care if like a libertarian wants to call in and talk about their campaign. That doesn't interest me because unless your campaign is doing something unique, Then it's not worth talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're just a libertarian who filed for office, I understand it's not easy, right? Like, you got to get signatures in a lot of places. We sure as hell had to here Mm -hmm. uh, in New Hampshire. Or you got to pay ridiculous fees. You got to jump through all kinds of stupid hoops. I get that it's difficult to run for office as a libertarian or any third party for that matter in most states in the U.S. But just because you made it to the ballot doesn't make your candidacy newsworthy, in my opinion. And that's coming from another libertarian, right? Like, libertarians like to complain about not getting enough news coverage. And it's true. The mainstream media does not focus on libertarians they don't include them in debate invitations they don't even in many cases give them equal time uh, you know to answer a questionnaire or something like that for a local newspaper they're just i would argue
0: that if the, if the elections aren't rigged electronically that they're rigged through the lack of being able to you know they, they keep libertarians right out of the talk mm-hmm. absolutely they don't want to hear this me- well i don't know there are probably a lot of people who want to hear this message but the people running the show don't want to people to hear this message so mm-hmm.
2: yeah and i will give new hampshire media a little more credit in that area not a lot more but a little bit more because they're kind of
0: forced to here
2: <laughs> well to some extent and they're just it, things are smaller here they're a little more intimate people mm-hmm. tend to know each other a little bit better and And so, you know, for instance, when I've run for office, not as a libertarian, I have run as a libertarian, but the times I ran as a Democrat for governor here in New Hampshire, I was invited to debate. It was the main candidate who refused to debate. right? And so they did actually allow me on stage for 10 minutes to just speak because the other lady wouldn't even show up. So I feel like I've been treated fairly in some circumstances, and I'll give credit to WMUR, a little bit of it. That's the main, the, really the only main mm-hmm. television station in, in New Hampshire. But he's got a different approach to this campaign that I really, really appreciate. And that is that he just doesn't care about the sort of the pretense of politics, the decor of uh, that some people like to uh, say, "Oh, well, you have to have decorum when you're running for power, you've got to put a suit on and you've got to go and you know act like you're all prim and proper in front of all these people that know that politicians are liars. But there's this game that uh, that they play and, and Jeremy's not playing that game
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, so- he's he's actively trying to gain attention by being an antagonist to the media or by uh, you know, making fun of them in a satirical way. So instead of trying to earn their approval or appease them so that they'll, you know, come and ask him questions, he has the approach of being as outrageous as possible to gain media attention that way. Kind of like the libertarian party in New Hampshire in general has on social media. It's just a different strategy and it's, Seems to have gained more uh, media attention than, you know, the other way. That strategy
2: has worked for the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, certainly. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, media attention they've gotten just within the last few months mm-hmm. i mean major mainstream news articles talking about um especially the mccain tweet that they mm-hmm. made which we covered here on free talk live where on uh, the anniversary of john mccain's death they tweeted an image of his daughter crying over his casket and said happy holidays, happy holidays. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it ended up in like the new york post i think the boston Herald, i cannot like, mm-hmm. believe that that went that far and wide yeah well I they got, got her to respond not only did they get her six to times, multiple <laughs> times, and she retweeted it like every single time. Oh God, it's so it's incredible! So they literally <laughs> trolled her to the max. And There were in some libertarians
0: case. who were bent out of shape about that. Of course, like, course.
2: pearl clutching wimps. Well, and that's the whole reason why I think his campaign is particularly noteworthy is because he's not trying to appease right. anybody at all, and that is one of those divisions you know we've talked about on free talk live that in new hampshire we have so many libertarians here that have migrated here now reed you're lucky you were born here Mm -hmm. but recently moved back yep uh but so many people have migrated here that we have schisms within the movement because there are some people that don't like jeremy's approach the online aspect to this the advertising aspect and I presume if they can uh, raise enough money, they'll throw this up on broadcast television or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember they were talking about doing a fundraiser for that. But he's come out with a series of ads over the last year, and roughly. Epic. And they are very well produced, very well edited. The gentleman behind this, Dan uh, Smots. From, Smots. He's uh, genius. Sadly, not living in New Hampshire as of yet, but super talented. And it's really great to have him giving his talents to this campaign. I mean, he's getting paid, but it's not a whole lot, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't get you don't get paid a whole lot. Libertarian
3: funds. Right.
2: When you're working for a libertarian campaign.
0: (laughs) And it's clear that he's doing real work too because those ads are turning out so good.
2: They're amazing. They're better than
3: anything that the National Party has put out or anything the Republicans or Democrats ever put out. I agree. Completely
2: in my opinion, they're the most memorable and funniest ads since the harry brown campaign that that also had some pretty you know for its time mm-hmm. they look rudimentary in comparison to this sure. now but harry brown also was poking some fun uh with his ads but that's 22 years ago that those ads were uh were on the air so really the libertarian party they paid what did they didn't they pay like thirty thousand yeah, dollars for some for this lame awful ass?
3: stupid lame i don't yeah. even
2: remember what the issue was it was they were,
3: uh vaccine mandates um, i think but it was just the lamest i mean i could have made something with windows movie maker yeah and it in, took him forever like you know half an hour <laughs> yeah
2: it took them months to get yeah. it done it took him thirty thousand dollars. somebody bilked him mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on that one so i've got the latest ad here from jeremy coffin we're just going to go ahead and play it uh i will have to stop it Toward the end, because he does use the uh, the S bomb in this, and you know, we're on broadcast radio, so I can't play it. Serious, that. yeah. Oh, and I am. <laughs> we've had computer problems, so I didn't have a chance to uh, to bleep it. Otherwise, I would have gone and, and done that. So this is stop mass migration now.
4: Thieves. Parasites.
2: By the way, I have to tell you to some extent what's going on on screen. Jeremy is in front of, he's being filmed in front of like a, a barbed wire fence and he's
4: speaking. Low lives. Scum. People coming over our border into our homeland to destroy what we believe in. Thugs. Addicts people of massachusetts that don't share our values
2: now when i first saw the ad well i'll continue in a moment but when i first saw the ad i didn't notice that it was stop mass period migration now that it was the abbreviated mass as in massachusetts they banned uh the teachings that one race is superior to another uh, in the New Hampshire school system and a bunch of hard leftist teachers flipped out as about, mm-hmm. that, uh, about that.
4: Anyway, he moves on. If your child starts feeling guilty just because of their race, they may be taking this dangerous drug. We need to build a wall. Calling on all Mexicans and Canadians that want to end taxes, end the drug war and think guns should be legal
2: alright so on the screen they have immigrant requirements one must hate taxes two must be cool with drugs three must think guns are quote rad <laughs> and then ex- extra credit bring drugs <laughs> <laughs> And that pops up real fast before the next <laughs> the next scene comes in here. And I love that. The, uh, the, the New Hampshire Libertarian Party recently tweeted something very similar to this, saying, we want everybody to come here from Canada and Mexico who agree with individual liberty. If you truly uh-huh. are a liberty-minded person, you should be making your way to New Hampshire. They've even been tweeting at some of these women, there have been like these hot chicks from canada that have been posting on uh social media talking yes, about the
3: hashtag uh, trudeau must go or whatever because, yeah yeah
2: they kind of give a like a paragraph about or a sentence or two about their personal history and how they're you know trudeau thinks they're a radical and so you know screw trudeau kind of thing and so the new hampshire libertarians have been tagging those people and responding to them saying hey we'll we'll get you a husband come on down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh going on here with more of Jeremy
4: ad to get to New Hampshire by any means possible, get here illegally. I'm cool with that. I don't care about that. Nice. And we are going to make Massachusetts pay for them to build a wall. <laughs> Am I inviting all Mexican drug cartels to come here? Absolutely not. What kind of drugs do they have? What is their policies on legal machine guns? Are their drugs any good? These are the kinds of questions that are immigration policies to be asking. <laughs>
1: Does
4: this really make head. you lose it. I went to the other side. <laughs> I went to a market basket in Massachusetts, and I saw a three-year-old wearing a mask. And that's the kind of stuff, that's the way these people live on the other side of this border.
2: You know, I'll give a little more credit to New Hampshire's sort of political scene in that there's a poll that came out, uh, the Granite State Poll run by the University of New Hampshire's Survey Center, where they asked people about the U.S. Senate election, and apparently they bothered to include Jeremy Kaufman, the libertarian for u.s senate in this particular race in this poll question and reed you noticed or i guess it was justin o'donnell the campaign manager who posted about this earlier today but it was noticed that there's a interesting discrepancy or a little detail to this particular poll on its face the results are the current incumbent who's a democrat her name is maggie hassan she came in at 49%. Don Bolduc, who's like a standard run-of-the-mill Republican that managed to fool a bunch of Liberty people into thinking he gave a damn about freedom uh, by talking you know, a good game, I guess, on a few issues and then reversing course after he got elected. Like immediately won after the primary. he got elected. It was uh,
3: impressive, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, literally, next morning, yeah. or whatever. Uh, 41%. And then Jeremy Kaufman at 5% with don't know undecided at 5%. And 5%, if the poll actually translates to real life, would be enough to qualify the Libertarian Party for ballot access next time around, if I am correct about that. I believe it yeah, would.
3: Yeah, I think it's 4%. 4%. Or over, right? yeah. It
2: has to be a statewide race, and U.S. Senate would qualify for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not what's the most exciting thing about this, this poll, is it?
3: No, and you've got it pulled up there, but I believe 5% is the number of republicans that would be willing to support him and if you actually look at the entire poll he's polling closer to 10% than 5% is
2: that what it says i think it's overall uh 5% just new hampshire likely voters but when you do break it down by republicans it's also 5% however the real takeaway is the independents where apparently boldock gets just under half of the independents 45% 30% of them support Hassan, and uh, 21% support Jeremy Kaufman. Now, that's tremendous. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's most noteworthy about this is that New Hampshire voters are not mostly independent, but plurality independent, right. meaning that there are more registered, and the term is actually uh, undeclared. That's the legal term that they use on the New Hampshire voter registrations. So anyway, uh More people in New Hampshire are registered as undeclared than are registered as Democrat. And more people are registered as undeclared than are registered as Republican. If you get an ad for a political candidate in front of a YouTube video or whatever, you're going to skip it. Mm -hmm. But if it's funny, then that would be a completely different situation. The only problem is, you know... If, you, if people are able to skip the the ads, it has to grab them quick, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the shorter versions of these because they're usually only about a minute and a half or two minutes to begin with, but you probably have to clip that down. You're definitely going to have to cut it down to get on uh, television. They are doing some fundraising, I believe, to do that. Justin posted today, I believe, about uh, what they're trying to raise, and he's hoping that he can get people from the wider libertarian movement, not just New Hampshire libertarians but people anywhere that want to see a really exciting libertarian campaign uh he says if uh, each of New Hampshire rather LP Nationals 26 268,000 Twitter followers donated over $22 that would raise 6 million now obviously that's not going to happen you're never going to get libertarians all on the same page to do mm-hmm. anything but you know if you could get a few percentage of them then that's more than you had and if you can raise 10 grand instead of 6 million that's still probably more than most libertarian campaigns spend on television or radio or whatever than anywhere across the country mm-hmm. i would think
3: yeah Yeah. go to jeremy for the number four new com if you want to donate and help him get those
2: tv ads up it's, it's jeremy4nh right yep, Jared, com. yep uh, and what did I and say New Hampshire, but oh, yeah, uh, people might have Jeremy for NH. Yep. Uh, so I think that that's a good plan. I just don't know. It's hard for me as somebody who's fairly skeptical of political campaigns in general to justify spending money at all. I understand that's like what people feel like they need to do. And in the case of Jeremy, I think dollar for dollar, He's getting better results out of the natural pass around. Totally, you know, definitely. than he's going to. You could throw a hundred thousand dollars at WMUR and not get the same results as you're going to get on the sort of the just natural virality of the campaign videos just being shared online. I think ultimately television is going to be a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's nice to be able to point to and say, "Oh, look, you know, we're on the old media," and it probably wouldn't hurt to get more i guess of a serious uh look being looked at the campaign from wmur It's like oh well now you're spending money with us maybe we'll put you in the debates i mean mm-hmm. if that if that could come out of spending money on wmur maybe that would make it worthwhile but just to get a broadcast ad on you know you're gonna be more than one of them but you know to get a week's worth or or two weeks worth of primetime broadcast ads you're gonna pay through the nose but are you really going to motivate the sixty-plus-year-old viewers that are watching broadcast television these days? I go
0: to my mom's house. And my mom's, you know, pushing seventy, and I sit. and She's got the. She TV She lives in on. New York. She lives in New York. She's got the TV on all the time, just as background noise. Sure. And I look. I, I was just kind of pin. Pant- I was like, Mom, you know, people don't watch TV anymore. You can use my Netflix account. You can use my Amazon Prime account. You know, all these accounts I have. You're more than welcome to tap into on me. I'll make you a little sub account. No, I just want to watch my home and garden, tell my HGTV, whatever.
2: You're a big into sort of the whole international anti-war scene, and you uh, have guests on your show fairly frequently. You had somebody on recently you wanted to tell us about.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what's true about what's going on overseas because I'm not there. Uh, Even people there
2: can't really even know. Exactly. All you can know is what you see.
3: It's so hard to find out what's true, so the closest I can come... To finding the truth is just listening to people who have been right a lot mm. in the past so i tend to have those type of people on uh one of the people i have on a lot he's kind of a controversial figure he's ryan dawson of the anti-neocon report um I but forgot all about ryan dawson he lives in uh, japan he right? does yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah uh but he's very uh up to date on foreign policy especially in ukraine and russia like he was he was saying this was going to kick off long before it did. He's also mm-hmm. deep into like uh, political crime, like he investigates it. So he knew all about Hunter Biden's connections with Barisma. Um, Is that
2: the power company? Yeah, the Ukraine? gas
3: company, and then also John Kerry, and you know, like he, he knows all that stuff
2: inside and out. So he knew a lot of this was coming down the pipe. But I had him on today to talk. So this wasn't a coincidence then that Hunter Biden was doing no. business in Ukraine and now all of a sudden there's an excuse to send billions of dollars over there. Right? Yeah. Tax oh, yeah. Money. No,
3: I mean, just go watch uh, the documentary he put together is called Corn Pops Revenge and it goes into <laughs> all this stuff. It's a uh, very informative video and he put it out back in, I think it was 2020 uh, before any of this hunter biden laptop stuff was okay. you know um confirmed yeah and he was talking about this all year and a half ago wow. and now it's all true so uh that's why i listened to him i think he's right about a lot of this stuff so i had him on today because i had him on a few months back when all this was kicking off and almost everything that he said he thought was going to happen throughout the war has taken place with um after we kicked rush off the swift banking system how mm-hmm. they'd react to that how they'd have a stronger alliance with china yep. and how their economy was going to do better than europe's would europe would be out of gas um that you know ukraine was not going to be able to whoop russia in a couple weeks like they were saying like sure. everything he said ended up being true so i had him on again to talk about what's going on now and the narrative lately has been that the ukrainians have had a counter-offensive and they've just whooped the russians and kicked them way back and this Russia's is the western narrative out, yeah. this
2: is the official quote-unquote uh, mainstream media narrative. right If you look at the Western media reports about this, they're saying Russian-controlled people in the Donbass are calling for an an election or a vote. And the idea is that these areas are going to have a vote to join Russia. Now, if you remember in 2014, they supposedly voted for independence. Right. The Ukrainian government ignored that. They said, oh, these votes are a sham. And, of course, they're already saying the same thing about the votes that are scheduled to start, I believe, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the votes start tomorrow. They go through the weekend in these areas, Luhansk, uh, Donetsk, and then a couple areas south of that. So mm-hmm. it is conveniently connecting Russia to Crimea and uh, the ocean. They, they're opening up a path, basically, is what they're trying, clearly trying to do uh, with this. But the U.S. government has officially said... And I wish I had the quote in front of me. I read it a few nights to go on the air. They said, "We will never recognize these areas as anything but Ukraine." Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what the people of those areas think, how they vote, what they want. The Western governments, the U.S., European Union, will not recognize these votes. They're going to. They're already calling them shams, even though they've they've not even happened yet. There's been no you know discussion of how. The elections are being held or anything like that. They're just not even going to count it. So Mm. that's what's going to happen. They're going to have this vote. What Putin said in his speech is basically that after the vote happens, it will be Russia to his Mm. mind. So... This hasn't been a war to their beliefs, the, to the Russian government's beliefs. It's just a special military action or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They were just going in to support. If you believe what Putin said at the beginning, they were going in to support the independence movements. Mm-hmm. The independence movements had asked them to come in and support them. They've been being shelled by the Ukrainian government, uh, supposed a genocide by the Ukrainian government against the people of the Donbass. Mm-hmm. So that's why Putin says he went in there. And now they're going to have a vote to join, not just be independent from Ukraine, but to join Russia. Right. And the idea is that if they vote to join Russia, Putin will say, OK, well, this is now Russia. And if you're bombing Russia, of then war. that's a different yeah. story than you bombing your own, quote unquote, mm-hmm. territory. So that's supposedly what's coming. He he trotted out the nuclear weapon thing in mm-hmm. this uh, this speech and basically said, if you mess with us. You're going to see destruction like you've never seen. And, you know, a lot of tough talk, as uh, yeah. as you would expect. So what did uh, Dawson have to say about that? It's uh, pretty
3: people. much exactly what you said. Um, and he said there's like a 99% chance they're going to vote to be with Russia. Of course there there's is. a super small chance they could vote to be independent again, mm. but he doesn't think that'll happen. And there's absolutely no chance they'll vote to be part of Ukraine. Um And, yeah, a, a lot of people should look into the history surrounding this with the Donbass region and the Minsk 2 agreement. You know, there this goes back years where there was supposed to be some sort of autonomy that these uh, states had from Ukraine. They were mm. going to officially recognize the Ukrainian government, but they were supposed to have. Like a, 10, a really robust 10th Amendment, basically, that let them kind of govern themselves.
2: That didn't work and out. That,
3: yeah, that was just completely violated by mm-hmm. the Ukrainians forever. So Surprise. Um, Government didn't uh,
2: honor its agreement.
3: Yeah. Wow. Shocker.
2: <laughs> so the big question is, what's going to happen after this election? Is, is Putin going to do what he's suggesting that he will do? And that is to say, treat these like uh, an extension of Russia, that it's actually Russian territory, and then that makes this a full-on, full-blown war now? to where he could then bring even more weapons to bear or more troops to bear, uh, potentially nuclear level. I mean, So this weekend could have a fairly big uh, effect on what transpires. The Federal Reserve has once again come back with another raise in the interest rates. No, they're not done. Oh, no. No, they even said they're not done. I know. They've they've come right out and said they plan to continue to Mm -hmm. likely raise interest rates to, quote-unquote, fight inflation. Clowns. (laughs) What is it at right now? I think it's over four. I thought it
3: was like
2: 6.5. Oh, I mean, uh, what's
3: the interest rate at right
2: now? So there's their rate, and then there's the rates that consumers get charged for things like home loans, right? Mm -hmm. So the Federal Reserve raises their rate, and then rates for other things go up even higher. Uh, and so that's that's my understanding. By no means am I like a financial wizard or whatever, but they've done 0.75 point seven five point. They call them basis points. So 75 right. basis points is 0.75 just under one percent. They've done that three consecutive meetings in a row. So and we're then over I, two now. So it's it. more than two, but I think it's higher than that because I think it was already at like 0. 0.5 or something yeah. when they did the first 0. 0.75. So I had I don't Peter have...
3: Schiff on in February, and he thought there was no way they'd go over 1.75. Peter but Schiff is have. always wrong. <laughs> hey, he's been right about three of the last 36 – or 36 of the last three recessions, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what the the current rate is, but it is – I think it's over 3%, 4%. And uh-huh. – 3.25%. Thank you. 3.25%. And so this is, by the way, unprecedented levels of raising this for, yeah. for I don't know, the last couple decades or it's something like that. It's not
0: nearly high enough. It's not near. And they've They're going kept, higher. They,
2: one time they were talking about going, uh, do you remember a few years ago,
0: they were talking about doing uh, negative interest rates? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They yeah. to go into, they're basically going to pay, pay people, people to, to take, take loans out. Yeah. Well, that's not happening. It's
3: fiscally responsible right there. Right. Not
2: now. If
0: anybody, you know, we just did a Bitcoin.com ad, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple segments ago. People got to get away from government money the only thing I've got people asking me on Facebook like what's the way out of this so oh, you know we got to vote harder you're not going to vote harder no. there's nothing that's going to do you're not going to be able to vote your way out of this at no point in history has anybody ever successfully
2: voted their way out of this situation and this situation has existed before throughout history several times yeah there's no way that you know even though people like Jeremy Kaufman are running for Senate there's not enough people to vote for people like that there's, right there's not enough libertarians in one place even to elect somebody nope. like that it sure as hell isn't going to happen on a nationwide basis nope. and you know i like the libertarians and all but the national libertarian party is never going to have national you, level and success that's, that's assuming
0: no. that the that the voting process is is secure right at all right and there's we're, no reason we're just to assume assuming that. that they're not yeah. just totally completely corrupt and you know Dog and Pony show for the, you know, right, Trinkets well, for the Natives.
2: We know there's voting machines out there that are completely manipulable. Yeah, oh yeah. And owned and by political people. Some of them people. come with
0: votes already installed on them. Anarchists who truly believe in... Privacy and freedom have pushed it an extra step and said, "Well, let's get way out ahead of their curve, yeah. and we'll make Monero, which is a privacy coin." And can, oh, yeah. you know, we, and privacy. Unless hate you wanna, all
2: privacy technology, they, they hate all, it all. Oh yeah, they hate. That's they, why they outlawed any, Tornado Cash. Uh, they made. Yeah. They literally announced a few weeks ago, for the first time ever, that a program is now sanctioned. So code some. That's got to be that's that somebody good. wrote, and, and you know that's unconstitutional
0: because absolutely. that's free speech. It's free so that's, speech. Yeah. Code is so, language.
2: But they're going to get away with it for a little while. Yeah, a little least, while. Until and and overturned.
0: It, the, 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 the trick is, if they get away with it for long enough where it becomes culturalized mm-hmm. in people's minds that that's not okay, then people will be like, oh, I can't... B-. They they don't, have don't, privacy
2: you know. only criminals want privacy yeah,
0: and what drives me up the walls here hearing people say you know, you see people on like facebook you know threads all the time they're going to ban bitcoin I, well then you don't really get how bitcoin works it's true you you know think of a virus out in the wild except this is a nice happy friendly virus that you want mm-hmm. and you want as much
2: of it as no you can get no mask required no mask required. Well, you in can, this case, the the virus will only kill the big banks and the, that's and right. The central banks. And they
0: truly hate it. We saw it in this building firsthand at six o'clock on a yeah. on a March cold March morning. They are genuinely afraid. They are genuinely they and I they don't get it. Those really people who were in here with those guns and all those questions. I could see in their faces, they didn't really know why they were asking the questions they were asking, but Mm -hmm. they knew it was important to their bosses Mm -hmm. on a very high level, and they were making sure to ask those questions in very specific and rehearsed ways when they were asking. So, and they asked me specifically about, I'm, I'm Monero Matt, so they were asking me about Monero, and they said, why do you like Monero so much? And I said, because it keeps the business of people like me out from under the noses of people like you.
2: You know, we're fortunate so far in that the u.s isn't as reliant on russian gas and russian oil so we're not seeing the same kinds of insane price increases as uh, people in europe are seeing Uh, although they are going up at least here in new hampshire Uh i can't speak for everywhere else but the electricity supply rates here have doubled in just the last month or so so I mean, who knows when it's going to well, go? Hey, up gas again.
3: was six dollars a gallon. Now it's only four. You know that's going only. down. Only, yeah. <laughs> and
2: I've heard. I've heard Biden is out there pimping the gas price reduction and how much it's helping families after he raised it, however many two hundred percent or or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Uh, so, but uh, you know, something else that's going to be going up right now are mortgage rates, and that's of course as a result of the Federal Reserve raising their interest rates over and over again we've seen the uh, mortgage rates going up and of course what that means is is that home buyers are going to be less interested in buying right now Mm -hmm. it was a feeding frenzy just a a, one year ago somebody would put a house on on the market here in new hampshire and they would have a bidding war so they'd put whatever their asking price was and then within hours Days of the the price being put on online or whatever, they had the house sold. Yeah, they had a buyer under contract. Many of the contracts were like being accelerated, where they would move up the closing dates and you know waive a fee or not waive a fee, waive like an inspection or what. There was crazy stuff going on just because people wanted to get their hands on these properties. Prices were shooting up uh, as a result of all of the competition for a very small amount of houses that were on the market. And now, apparently, according to the New York Post, the 30-year home mortgage rate is now up to 6.29% from what it was last week at 6.02%. This is the highest it has been since August of 2007. And, of course, that is when? Right before the crash. Yeah. And, uh, Matt, you mentioned uh, that you've been looking at houses around the area recently, and this is kind of a turnoff to you, right? Oh, you know, I did this again, too. I'm sorry. What are you doing in my mind? It's hard to find good help. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to buy a house. I mean, it's tough to stomach the idea of those interest rates. It's tough to stomach the idea of just the... I mean, houses in New Hampshire aren't
2: especially cheap to begin with. Some areas you're seeing prices dropping. There was a whole article at uh, *Dredge Report today. Wall Street Journal has it. Luxury home sales are taking a nosedive. Uh, now you know people say, well, okay, who cares about what happens to the the luxury home sales? But it's probably an early indicator, mm-hmm. right? If people aren't willing to uh, people who were willing to spend four million dollars on a house aren't willing to uh, to do that now, uh, you're going to probably see things like that happening in the the other markets.
0: And I could see the the housing the housing situation crash again. That's uh-huh. what I was
2: going to say. It might be best if you did hold off on yeah. making it buy. And, and
0: that's kind of what's driving my brain. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not. I'm not new to the world I'm right. not a, not a young man anymore, but uh, and the
2: same things keep happening over and over and again, it,
0: so it's not unbelievable. what that. I'm worried about is that now when the crash does happen, the interest rates might have to stay up just because they've spent so long inflating the currency they can't mm-hmm. they can't mess around with the currency anymore to mm-hmm. they can't mess around with interest rates anymore to drive the you know, to drive the uh, economy and the housing market and stuff, because well, plus it,
2: it would just be perhaps just the housing market crashing. Not everything else is going to go down in price, right? Like you're still right. going to be paying through the nose right. for groceries or mm-hmm. whatever in
0: energy. Yeah. So the inflation's so bad. I mean, all the hijinks they were pulling when uh, you know COVID nineteen was going on. I think that COVID-19, I got half a mind to think that that was just a cover for all this bad economy that had been mm-hmm. building up for the last hundred years. It all started to finally fall apart, and they didn't have any tape or glue left to stick it back together. So they finally said, oh, new disease.
3: Need a scapegoat.
0: Yeah, yeah it was a big scapegoat and uh, made everybody you know hunker
3: down. And Well, whether or not that was intentional, they certainly used it for that. Oh, either man, way. it was oh, yeah. good timing. Yeah. It was good timing for that. Yeah.
2: The rapidly rising mortgage rates, according to the post, threatened to sadline even more home buyers. And last year, prospective home buyers were looking at rates well below three percent. So the rates have more than doubled yeah. wow. from one year ago. That's ugly. That's gonna take a lot of people out of the home buying market, mm-hmm. and there's just no way it can't result. I mean, how could it not result in lower prices to come? Right? Because if you can't if you don't have enough buyers out there, people are gonna have to start lowering prices it'll become more of a seller's market i've had i've had a
0: house offered to me by friends at a very good deal and i love the place i love them and i still just grind my teeth just thinking about it you know it's like yeah that's a good idea but if they put
2: it on the market six months before it would have been sold oh yeah it would have been sold on uh, wednesday the fed bumped its benchmark borrowing rate by another three quarters of a point in an effort to constrain the economy Uh, And I saw this one headline, I think it was actually NPR, and I wish I had it in front of me. It was just so ridiculous when it came to uh, this whole idea that the Fed is fighting inflation. They, They made it sound like inflation was this untamable beast or this thing that was completely separate from humans out right. there that they were this force of nature they like they're... fighting a virus yeah. yeah and it's
0: like no we know exactly what causes it and we right. know exactly it's not
2: rocket science it's very simple we know how it works and i found the headline that i was talking about here guys with uh npr just the headline from their coverage of the fed ordering the interest rate increase here's what it says Fed orders another supersized interest rate hike as it battles stubborn inflation. Again, like like inflation is this creature that oh we just can't get it to go away. We need to just raise interest rates until it finally. It subsides. is a
0: creature, though. It is a creature. It's the creature from, from Jekyll, Jekyll Island. Island. You yeah, knew, <laughs> <coming. laughs> knew that
2: was coming, right? Just
0: to, just for the, the 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 listeners out there, if you've never heard of the creature from Jekyll Island, mm-hmm. you really want to Google that. It's a great book that was written by G. Edward Griffin about the uh, the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States of America, and it was founded the the Federal Reserve was thought up on an island off the coast of North Carolina called Jekyll Island. They mm-hmm. all got together and decided what they were going to do. And since then, we've had nothing but a declining value of a dollar. I think the dollar's lost like 99.9% of its value. Something like the, that, yeah. Yeah, a dollar used to be worth a dollar. Just and now a huge it's
2: con job, not even basically, worth a penny. Is, is what it is. It's
0: an absolute con job. It is a scam, and you shouldn't use American dollars, and you should get away from all government money, because now with cryptocurrency, you can. It's not something that's ever been available to people in the past, but now cryptocurrency
3: we can
1: it's a way out. It's a way out.
3: It's a good way out. So inflation has kind of been redefined as price uh, prices rising. That's where, what they teach in government school, yeah, where it literally just means uh, expansion of the money supply Correct. at least originally, so it still is what it means. still is. Yeah. It's
2: just like you say, they've they've redefined it. The mainstream media only talks about it as though it's increases price, increases yeah. prices. Government education, uh, you know, indoctrination classes. That's what they teach you in so-called economics class. and it's b
3: s so when you hear the statement, we don't know where this inflation came from. It's even more comical if you know what it actually means. Right. Like, where did this expansion of the money supply come from? It Only could have been one from us printing it off, right. you know. The
2: central banks of the world. So it's not just happening in the US. It's the central bank in Europe. It's the central mm-hmm. bank all in the, the UK. It's, you know, anybody that's uh, that's printing like crazy is going to be seeing inflation. In fact, some countries is worse than others. I believe Argentina right now is seeing it pretty hot and heavy. Uh, was it Turkey? I think has uh, some pretty serious inflation issues. Turkey A,
3: right? Turkey A, right? haven't, re- haven't they renamed themselves? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you didn't hear about I this? No. that? No. Oh, yeah, this was a couple months ago. They were sick of being referred to as the, you know, the awkward bird that can sort of fly uh-huh. and you know is really <laughs> ugly or whatever. So they changed their name to Turkey A, I believe. Stop. Like Turkeya? I, I don't know. You can look it up. on okay, Like, like Joe the Dirt? He
0: spelled his name Joe Dirtay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I can't make predictions, but I think I think you're good waiting on this uh, on this house, Matt. I do
0: too. Uh-huh. I hate saying that. I really want yeah. to get a house or you know some property or something.
2: In uh, the four weeks ended September 11th, home listings fell 19 percent from one year earlier, according to a real estate brokerage. And uh, yeah, I don't know. that's pretty much the takeaway. I could go on, but that pretty much gives you what you need to know. They're they're down. Who could have seen this coming? Ron Paul and anybody with the Austrian (laughs) economics. Uh, Oh, you mean
0: those quacks who don't know anything about economics? They don't even have graphs. We're We're
2: kind of in an
3: elite group, though, because, you know, several months ago when inflation really started taking off, all the headlines were like, nobody saw this coming. Yep. Even experts couldn't see it. And I could pull clips up from my YouTube channel from 2020 like, wow, look at me. I'm better than the experts. (laughs) Look what they're
2: doing. Oh, look, they just printed two trillion dollars. I wonder what the (laughs) result of that's going to be. (laughs) They know what they're reporting are lies. I don't think mm. they do. They got to know. I don't think- do you think it's a
3: sliding scale? Some of them do. Some of them don't. Maybe. There's like stupid and evil kind of mixed together. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the, that with all uh, branches of government and forms of government. Well, like I think it's true.
2: I think when you're talking about like the Federal Reserve, they know. The, tr- mm. the Treasury people, they know. I mean, these are people who money's their business. They certainly know, probably know the history of it. And they certainly know what they're doing to it. But the average reporter at NPR, I don't think they know. These what about the ones that, who
3: like reported on all the stuff that was happening leading up to the 2008 crash, and now they're seeing it. They're seeing all it again. again, they really weren't like, hmm, <laughs> well, this is kind of suspect. You know, I
2: wonder. It would be interesting to look at their reporting then and now, and yeah. see you know how many of them even still have jobs in mainstream media now, because of course a lot of people who were working for the mainstream back then are no longer i mean you take mm-hmm. for instance like glenn greenwald who yeah, that's uh, who broke the news about edward snowden in 2013 he was working for the guardian at that time but now he's on his own he's an independent mm-hmm. uh john stossel is no longer with abc news or fox he's doing his own thing A real and, i didn't know that yeah no he's been making videos oh, yeah. for himself and reason.com yeah i was gonna say it's with reason with reason too. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. That's cool. So, like, there's, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who are sort of broken off whether they intended to or not, or it's because right. they got fired or whatever. But a lot of people in the media media today, they're young. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's true. Remember right. Ben Swan? Yeah. Yeah. That he's got his own gig going too. He does. Yeah. Yep. And it's, he used to work for a TV station. Yeah. Yep.
3: Sovereign, right? Is the new platform he's putting together. I didn't
2: know it was actually get onable. Like, you, mm-hmm. you have your video content there.
3: Uh, I got some video content. Mostly, just use it kind of like Facebook to post. Okay. Uh, articles that I've so it's written, like a it's like, like a that. social uh, media yeah.
2: thing. Yeah, I mean, Ben Swann was video, doing like all the
0: investigative journalism like during the Ron Paul campaign current, yeah. things weren't adding up. He was like one
3: regular like third market, you know? Yeah, he with, was in, he was out of Cincinnati. Or something yeah, that. his interview with Barack Obama. Have you seen that? No. Oh, I it's incredible. He so he. He interviewed uh, Mitt Romney first and he grilled him really hard. Hmm. And so these people who saw him were just binary brains and like, oh, he hates Mitt Romney. Let's have him talk to Obama. It'll be nice.
2: And, and he told Obama. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: he asked him about the drone strike kill list. and about. Wow. Uh, so this
2: was before 2012's election? Yeah. Wow. And I know, Reed, you mentioned, I think it was off the air, that you're kind of new to the the whole crypto scene. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I still don't have any yet. Well. Okay. Wow, yeah. okay. Well, so, you know, as the the new guy in the room, if we start talking above your... We always have to be very careful on Free Talk Live. This isn't a crypto show. Right. Like, we're not mm-hmm. doing...
0: And we are so used to using it that it's old standard for right. us, and so it'd be great for Reed, somebody like Reed, to speak up and say, I don't understand this. What does that mean? That way... Right, can, so don't let us
2: leave you behind anymore. or anything yeah. like that. We always try to be cognizant of it, but it's nice to have somebody in the room for who's sure. like new uh, to some of these ideas. So, uh, there's of course Bitcoin. People have heard of Bitcoin. Whether you know anything about crypto or not, you've heard of Bitcoin, I think, at this point. You'd have to be living under a rock to not have heard about Bitcoin. Not so many probably have heard about Ethereum. Are you, have you heard that one? I have, you that. have. Okay. So, it's the second most uh, valuable cryptocurrency by what they call market cap. And a market cap is calculated by what is one of these things trade for in the market? Okay, take that amount. And multiply it by the total number of these coins. And so that's how they get the market cap. And so Ethereum is huge. It's not quite as big as as Bitcoin, but it's getting there. I think Ethereum, if I recall correctly, is close to 20% of the full-on, like all of the cryptos brought together, like what that total value is. I'll have to check CoinGecko. There's a couple great sites for that, CoinGecko and uh, CoinMarketCap. Right now, the total market cap... According to Coingecko.com, for all of cryptocurrencies, or at least all of the ones that they calculate, and they have twelve thousand nine hundred something of them on there, so that's that's a lot of cryptos. The total market cap is almost a trillion dollars. So it's nine hundred and eighty. Point three billion dollars market cap and that's actually down right because the crypto market is down from its peak which was i think early 2021 if i recall correctly was it early 2021 yeah i think it was like right around the raid was when it uh when it kind of peaked up the raid on our studio anyway ethereum's current market cap is about 159 billion dollars it's about 16 percent right now so the total value of all cryptos ethereum's about 16 percent of it Bitcoin's about 37%. So it's roughly half of I would the like value. to see
0: those numbers drop. I think both of those technologies are just so dated and old and not good for the purposes that cryptocurrency was invented for, they can no longer serve those
2: purposes. But in, in since they way?
0: switched it to proof of stake, now the SEC is saying that they have a concern in it. I think they somehow. might have
2: said it before that uh because Well, no, it was Monday that they filed this lawsuit. So according to Decrypt.co, the SEC has filed a federal lawsuit against a crypto influencer named Ian Bellina for his failure to register a cryptocurrency as a security before launching a what they call an initial coin offering. This was a big uh, craze back in like 2017, 2018 on the Ethereum blockchain where... I mean, everybody in crypto was throwing out these what they call the ICOs and saying they had the next great uh, great idea in crypto and they wanted to raise uh, funds for it. And so they're all
0: just basically copies of either Ethereum or Bitcoin.
2: A bunch of them were scams, straight up scams. Yeah. Uh, others were legitimately good ideas, but they didn't fr- come to fruition. Others, probably the minority of them, were legitimately good ideas that did come to fruition. So, you know, like a lot of things where you invest in. A lot of them are going to be losers, and that was true with the uh, the ICO craze. But the SEC is saying that he should have come to them first and asked them for a permission slip to offer this thing. And they're suing him now, four years later. Everything at first appeared run of the mill. The SEC has for years filed civil suits against individuals and organizations for rolling out unregistered ICOs. But eagle eyed observers read a little further into the fine print. In a bold and potentially unprecedented move buried in the lawsuit's 69th paragraph, the SEC has now claimed that it has the right to sue Mr. Bellina not only because his case concerns transactions made in the United States, but also also because the entire ethereum network falls under the u.s government's purview and then they uh, and they actually give a excerpt here from somebody's tweet an uh, excerpt from the paragraph it says so it talks about uh bolina apparently was running a mining pool so this actually has to do with ethereum prior to the change mm. back when they were miners We mentioned Jeremy Kaufman earlier tonight. He's the Libertarian Party's uh, Senate candidate here in New Hampshire. He, thankfully, hasn't been arrested, but they are trying to ruin him financially by the SEC. The very same goons we're talking about in this story brought a lawsuit against uh, Jeremy's company, which is called Library, LBRY.com. That is the Company That helped to create the library protocol. So you got to realize libraries kind of got different entities going on legally. There's the company. There's like, a, I think I have a foundation as well. And then there's the technology called library. And so, even if Jeremy and his company get completely decimated by the SEC and shut down, you have to remember the Library Code is unstoppable. That is going to continue with or without Jeremy and his company. But SEC has brought a lawsuit against Library and said, "Well, we think you have a security, even though supposedly the definition of a security is something that you." And correct me if I'm wrong in this. I'm not a financial, you know, investment guy, but. You know, we've looked it up a few times. Security, as I understand it, is something that you buy with the intention of having some sort of say in the way a company runs and getting some kind of reward for it doing well, right? That's yeah, what a you security have a, is, it's a,
0: right? it's, a, it's a risk. It's a risk stake. And you have some say over how it runs. Yeah, that, that, that well, would be that the def- difference between... That would be the difference
2: between... Right, so in library, the token is not a security, at least I would argue if it were my case, and I'm sure Jeremy is is going to be arguing, because it doesn't give you any say over how the library company works. All it does is gives you the ability to upload a video. And throw some, you know, coins at the people that you like. So, you know, you go to Reed's channel over on Odyssey at uh, Naturalist Capitalist, and you can send him these library credits. And I think they've actually added dollars as an option in recent recent months. But the original setup of the system was it was these credits, these LBC tokens that you can then send to the people that you like. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't give them the ability to run the company. That doesn't right. give them a vote on who the CEO is or anything like that. It, mm, you I don't, don't get any sort but of the, benefit. these
0: government thugs are gonna. They're gonna stretch and, and, and you know they're gonna smear their own definitions all Absolutely. they can because they want they they'll just redefine stuff. Yeah, and, and you know it's happening a Same lot. Same thing with the gun world. With the the gun yeah. world is going through like crazy right now. I, you know, I was talking to Ian uh, off the air about uh, a federal judge in Texas. Just heard is hearing a case. Uh, just heard a case from uh, you know the ATF and somebody they were attacking, where they were trying to say that a suppressor isn't a firearm, but also a suppressor is a firearm. I think the government knows that you're a huge deal, which is why they are so, you know, rapidly going after you in the other in the crypto six. That's I think it was a a major thing to them, and I don't think we're given enough credit. But this whole case could be a a huge game changer, and anything like the Jeremy case could be a huge game changer. You well, know? the thing
2: is, what you're saying, what you said earlier was absolutely true. The federal government's agencies, whether it be the ATF or the SEC or FinCEN or whoever it is that we're talking about here, the FBI. They all have the incentive to interpret the statutes as widely as possible. Mm-hmm. So in the case of wire, uh, so-called wire fraud or uh, money transmitter stuff that we're dealing with in the Crypto 6 case, they're saying, well, the, the term funds includes cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah, and that even sounds though, like a judge is kind of making up the words as he goes along, too. Even
2: though when the statutes were written, cryptocurrency didn't exist. Right. So that was one of the arguments that our attorneys made and the judge uh, rejected that, of course. As far as the government's concerned, cryptocurrencies
0: should be treated as beanie babies.
2: Well but they're not. They're uh they're treating it as though and, and you know understandably it's a threat to their system, so uh-huh. They're going yeah, to try to treat it as harshly as possible. Which is
0: exactly why everybody should get into it fast and get as much as they can comfortably get. And so have they're a
2: little bit. claiming in a lawsuit against an Ethereum uh token their uh, holder, a gentleman who was doing an inter, uh, in an ICO as they call it, an initial coin offering. They're saying. That uh, because the Ethereum that was sent to this man was validated by nodes that were on the Ethereum blockchain, which are clustered more densely in the United States than any other country, as a result, those transactions took place in the United States. That's a quote from their lawsuit. They appear to be suggesting that because more of Ethereum's validating nodes are operating in the U.S., that therefore all transactions globally should be considered of American origin. Apparently, about 45.8% of all Ethereum nodes are in the United States. According to Etherscan, the second greatest density of nodes is Germany, with only 19% by comparison.
1: I've heard that there's a a new um, alcohol uh, technology to get the drunk drivers. So the Volvo is uh, developing a, a detect, I mean, a camera that detects uh, alcohol drivers. So I kind of heard about it. So I, I'm just kind of curious uh, what it entails. You know? When?
2: Where did you hear about this?
1: Well, I heard it on the radio, top of the hour news. Huh. It was on the radio.
3: I've actually yeah. heard about this too. You say Volvo? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh with truck drivers they're gonna have cameras and, and some companies are already doing it, I think where Does Volvo make big
2: rigs? Yeah. Oh, okay.
3: Uh where they can actually like look at the driver the whole time. That's
2: creepy. See if they're paying
3: attention. I would never work for a trucking company like that, but Wow.
2: How many of them Mommy. do you think would in would uh, adopt technology like that? Like the big just the bigger ones? The trucking, trucking companies, companies, yeah, probably yeah. just
3: the bigger ones for now. But
2: uh, I've got the story here, Sarah. This is actually from 2019, unless there's been some new development. I didn't see anything that was newer, uh, but it says <laughs> here that uh, they're going to possibly slow down and stop their cars if it determines that the uh, driver is under impairment. They're going to install sensors and cameras uh, Design to monitor drivers and intervene if they there, are distracted like,
3: breathalyzer tests too to start the car or something isn't that something they have talked about or
2: wouldn't surprise me we know that the federal government did pass something i think it was this year that said that, that i believe as soon as 2026 i don't think it was like a hard deadline but it, that's when it's perhaps going to start that all new cars will have to have some form of alcohol detection technology but what hadn't been determined was Exactly what that was going to look like. So I think what they they did, what they normally do, which is the uh, the politicians are going to leave it up to the bureaucrats to decide. So the politicians said, here's what needs to happen. You guys have to figure out what the technology is going to look like, which means it's going to be, you know, one of those uh, nepotism situations where somebody's brother is running a camera company or a a DUI alcohol uh, detector company and they're going to get the contract. And Mm. then it'll be a mandatory thing that all the manufacturers have to put in. I've never obviously driven a, a big rig, but they have these technologies now in uh, consumer cars where it will slow down for you if you're getting too mm-hmm. close to something and keep you in the lanes. And uh, Mark Edge, our, our co-host, had this in his car a few years ago, and we were driving to uh, one of the co- talk radio conferences that we went to in New York City. And, and I, you know, he usually has me drive down there because he hates driving in the city. And so I he was telling me all about these things and they just didn't sound good to me. But like, all right, well new tech, I'll try it out. We'll see, see what it's like. I don't like having a Mm -hmm. machine tell me what to do or control what I can and can't do, or even influence it. Yeah. You can still swing the wheel, but it's pulling you in the other direction. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's weird. If you love to drive, I don't think you could possibly enjoy this. No, I don't. It's, it's anti driving technology almost.
3: Yeah. Everything they take away from the driving experience just makes me less interested in driving Mm -hmm. and, then if something goes wrong with the equipment you're you know you're you're not paying attention at all anymore because or less likely to be yeah, <laughs> or if you get in scary. another car that you know like my brother's car it has this cruise control that adjusts on its own if you're behind someone it slows you down right. a little bit in my car it doesn't do that so, so sometimes I'll be driving his car and then I'll be like okay whatever I get used to it and
2: then I jump in mine and you know it's like it.
3: oh, oh whoa 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 right. <laughs> so yeah and
2: then know. you've got to get back into the habit yeah. of whatever yeah, that's a good point. So this is uh, bad news. This technology—they're going to be forcing down everybody's throat. I, look, I'm against shoving mandatory DUI checks down even people—you uh, know—even people who've been convicted of DUI. I think ultimately that's oppressive. But to do it to absolutely everyone is insane levels of oppression. And I know Matt uh, feels strongly about these issues as well. Matt, uh, we we uh, we were talking about the ma- new mandatory. Likely as soon as 2026 in all new cars, DUI checks. You've heard about that's this, right? sanity. insanity, yeah. yeah. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com, or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.